0: Well, good morning, church. Good morning. We are excited to be here today. It's a blessing to be here, and just want to welcome first all the campuses: Springboro, Beaver Creek, Northmont, and Classics. Thanks for joining us. You know what? Let's welcome everyone. Can you give everyone a round of applause let's, well? There we go. Yeah. Well, we are excited because we're continuing a series called "Give Me Strength," and church. Here's what I'd like. Raise your hand if you want more of God's strength in your life this year, in your family, in your children. Yes, we all want God's strength, don't we? We want God's strength in our life to, to bless us. The Bible says that when we are weak, he is strong. Jesus says, apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. But the Bible says we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. So we need strength. And so we're going through a theme verse, one of my favorite verses in all the Bible. It's my son's life verse. His name is Isaiah and it's Isaiah 40, 31. i want to read it to you. Isaiah 40, 31. It says this, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not be faint. You see, there's seasons of our life. We mount up on wings like eagles. Things are going great. God's blessing us. Seasons where we're running and not growing weary, where we're busy. Things are just going and happening through the motions. We're walking and not being faint. Maybe it's a a hard situation in life, a tribulation. But through it, God wants to give us strength. And the question is, how does he do that? How do we do that practically? And we're going to see that we're going through this series talking about habits that we can create so we can get stronger in the Lord daily. You see, holy habits create healthy lives, right? And we need to make sure that we're using these habits in our life. Here's the theme, sort of truth, There are spiritual practices that God can use to grow our endurance, our wisdom, our grace, and our strength. And these practices could be known as spiritual disciplines or habits. We kind of don't like the word discipline, though, do we? But God wants to use this because as we give God time in our life, he builds us up. He gives us strength. Last week, we talked about the word of God. Levi did a great job talking about the word of God, how it gives us wisdom. The Bible says that his word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. We need wisdom in God's word. This week, we're talking about prayer. Prayer gives us strength. In moments we need it the most, and daily as well. So speaking of prayer, our country has had a prayer movement the last couple weeks. Millions have prayed. And it's captivated our nation over one young man, and his name is Damar Hamlin. You know the story. Two weeks ago, I'm watching Monday Night Football. Bill's Bengals. DeMar's a defensive back for the Bills. He goes to make a tackle. He falls down. No, just an ordinary tackle. And you probably saw this. He gets up and he collapses on the field. He goes into cardiac arrest. He can't breathe. He has no pulse. The trainer comes on the field and tries to help. He realizes it's a serious situation. He calls the EMTs and the doctors. For 12 minutes on the field, they're just trying to resuscitate the poor young man. As you watched the game, you saw the players' emotion. Crying, realizing this is not an ordinary injury. I have friends texting me like, are you watching this? And I start praying. They take him to the hospital that you see. And as the ambulance is leaving, I love this picture. The Buffalo Bills head coach, who's a Christian, gathers his players together and says, we're gonna pray. And they prayed. Why? Because they believed in the divine intervention that God can have in these situations. You see, in moments of need, we, we still turn to God for hope, do we not, church? The world turns to God for hope. And in the last resort, people turn to prayer. God wants us to have that heart of prayer. And so we saw what happened. This this photo went viral. And then all over the internet, you saw on social media, people were praying, millions of people, pray for Damar on Twitter, on Facebook. The governor asked us to pray. The president asked us to pray because this young man was fighting for his life. And one of my favorite scenes of that week was on ESPN. A friend sent me the video. And on a live broadcast on NFL Live, Dan Orlovsky, who's a Christian, he's to the right. He said, you know, we talk a lot about prayer. If we believe in prayer, then we're just going to pray. And he said, you know what? This may not be the right moment, but I'm just going to do it. And they bowed their heads together and they prayed. And it was just an awesome, authentic moment. They prayed for this teammate. And it got over 13 million views because people realize that conviction is important as a Christian, that we can be bold in our prayers. We can ask God for help in times of need. Then last weekend, we were watching some games with our boys, some NFL games across the entire NFL nation. Most teams gathered together and prayed before the game, even audibly. Here's a picture. Even the Browns and Steelers prayed together. If that's a, I mean, come on. If that isn't the Lord, right? That's a miracle in itself. Maybe one day the Buckeyes and Wolverines will pray together too, right? But see, this shows the unity. The unity we have in the Lord, right? The unity of saying, we believe that God is our hope and people turn to prayer. The good news, DeMar Hamlin is now at home recovering. lot well, of you know the news? We're thankful to the Lord that after two weeks in the hospital, he's now home. He was actually with the team yesterday and God moves. We know that. But here's the thing. Usually on our last resort, in, in situations where there's trials and tribulations, like in Damar's case, we turn to God. But how awesome would it be that if we turn to God, not just in times of tribulation or situations where it's a last resort, but every day of our lives? Because God wants to give us strength. There's no doubt. God wants to rescue us and take care of us in times where there's situations where there's panic, and, and we just turn to God. He wants to be there for us. I've been in a lot of those situations in hospitals and in places where we turn to God, tragic situations. But what if every day God says he wants to strengthen us and build us up? You see, here's the key. Prayer is not just seeking God in times of need, but pursuing him daily on our knees. Because if we pursue God on our knees, let me tell you, God will bless you. He will strengthen you, not just you. Because listen, we can't give what we don't have, right? And as we go to God on our knees, if we go to him in prayer, he pours grace into my heart, that I don't have, but I can only get from God. And that love and that grace he pours into my heart, that that patience and that peace, and I can extend that to my family and you can extend it to yours. You see, God wants us to pursue him in a relationship. We learned in September, went through a great prayer series here at the church. And I remember Pastor David talked about the whole intent and purpose of prayer is that we build a relationship with God. And that's what we wanna do. And guess who taught us how to pray? Guess who taught us the importance of developing a habit when it comes to prayer? Jesus himself. We're going to see the priority he places on prayer and that we can do the same thing. And so turn with me to Mark chapter one, verse 35, as we learn an awesome lesson on creating a habit of prayer. And as you turn there, speaking of prayer, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time together that we can worship you. Thank you, Lord, we can open up your word. Your word is sovereign. Your word is true. The Bible says the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God shall stand forever. And Lord, help us to have hearts to receive and ears to hear what you have for us today. We pray for our senior pastor. You would heal him, bless him as he, he recovers from his knee surgery. And Lord, we ask that you would just bring healing to our hearts as well today and speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Mark chapter one is really a long chapter in the first day of Jesus on the job. Jesus had a busy first day on the job as Messiah, let me tell you. His first day of public ministry. And it's important to see what he did after that day. But it starts off in the synagogue. You see Jesus would teach in many synagogues, and so on this specific Saturday morning because the Jews worship on Sabbath, which is Saturday morning. So just like as we gather on Sunday morning, they gather Saturday morning, and they had a big service that morning in Capernaum. And Jesus showed up to teach. And he didn't disappoint. And it says in the Bible that as he taught, people were amazed because they said he teaches with authority. Who is this guy from Nazareth that could teach so well? Well, he is the word of God. He, he, t- he teaches the word of God. He created the word of God. And so he's teaching and they're amazed. And all of a sudden, someone in the audience stands up who's demon possessed and the demon yells at Jesus. He says, have you come to destroy us, Jesus of Nazareth in the middle of the service? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Imagine that happening in this service right now, right? There's a heckler and Jesus doesn't like it. So what does he do? Calmly, he just says, be silent and come out of him. Demon gone. Can you imagine people after that service? Wow, that was quite a service. And they were amazed. And not just amazed, it says that his fame spread throughout. This guy's preaching with authority. He's casting out demons. There's something different about him. And so his fame spread. And then it says, what did he do after the service? He went to Peter's house. In scripture, here we see Peter called Simon. That was another name for Peter. They went to his house and they had, what do we do after Sunday service? We go to go to lunch. They went to lunch at Peter's house, Sabbath meal. But Peter's mother-in-law was sick. She had a fever, and so Peter's like, hey Jesus, can you help me out here? The mother-in-law's sick. Do me a favor, she's an amazing cook. We need some lunch. Could you please heal her? Right? <laughs> They're hungry. Jesus' is like, no problem. Boom. Healed of her fever. She cooks them a nice meal. She serves them, the Bible says. And so then, look at verse 32. It says that evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. And listen to this. The whole city was gathered together at the door. His fame had spread. People from all over said, we're going to go to Peter's house. Now, Peter's house is not that big. I've been there. It's a small little house. They can't all fit in Peter's house. But they came after sundown. Why? Because the rule of the Sabbath was you couldn't carry someone on the Sabbath, even if they were sick, to get help and healing. And so they had to wait till 6 p.m. on a Saturday, sundown, and they brought everyone to the door. And it says, he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. You see, Jesus had a busy day. The healings probably went all the way through the night. I can imagine this scene, a long line going down the street outside Peter's house the lamps waiting to meet the healer, the hope of being healed, the young young girl who was born crippled, the dad who was blind and couldn't work or have any quality of life, the grandparent who had a serious disease and sickness that couldn't be helped, they came to Jesus. Why? Because they sought healing and he brought the kingdom of God, he brought heaven to earth to show them he was the Messiah, he was God. But we're gonna see later, the purpose of miracles and healings was not just physical, It was to point them to the spiritual healing of salvation in him, in Jesus Christ. But they were waiting for the healer. But Jesus had a busy first day, all the way from teaching in the synagogue in the very morning to the very evening. Raise your hand if you ever had a really busy day, or if you're just busy in general, right? We all are. And it's interesting because Jesus was busy, but he was never hurried. There's a difference. You see, he was busy and doing ministry and serving and helping and healing, but he always had time for people. See, we're gonna see that Jesus was busy but didn't have a busy heart, and God wants the same for us. So how did he heal? How did he do this? What was his practical steps? Look at me in the next verse. Verse 35. It says, And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he what? Say with me, church. There he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And they found him and said to him, everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, let us go to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I've come. And he went throughout all of Galilee preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. You see, Jesus teaches us a lesson. If the Son of God needs to spend time with the Father to get recharged, regrouped, After being exhausted and drained, how much more do we? How much more do we need that time with the Lord in prayer when we get exhausted and drained and have anxiety and fears? Jesus did. But I love this story. Imagine the scene. That morning, Peter wakes up. He's making breakfast, he's very excited, he's joyful. The night before, there was a big healing in his house, big tent revival, and he's pumped. And I'm, obviously Jesus spent the night at his house. He would stay at different people's houses. And so he probably got the nice guest room. So he knocks on the door to wake Jesus up. He's not there. He's like, what's going on? Checks with the other disciples who crashed at his, at his place. And they said, we don't know where he's at. He looks out the front door. There's another long line waiting of people who want to get healed. Peter's frantic. I can't heal anyone. We've got to find Jesus. So they go searching for him. Now, where is Jesus? It says that he was in a desolate place. That literally means a solitary, a quiet place. Now I've been to Capernaum. It's beautiful and it's right on the sea. And if I was Jesus, I would go right on the seashore and spend time with the Lord. Isn't there something about being in nature with God where he just speaks to you when there's quiet place, a place you can just focus on his voice. And so here's Jesus having this great quiet time. And all of a sudden what happens? The Disciples rush up on him and in a frantic mode say, everyone is looking for you. In the Greek, that's an urgent request. It's like they were hunting for him. It's almost like you can feel an annoyance in Peter's voice. Because what is Peter thinking? I imagine he's thinking, Jesus, man, this is awesome. we got to go back to Capernaum. we got to set up shop. We can have a mega church. I mean, the synagogue was packed yesterday. My house was packed. This is going to be great for my fishing business, you know? You see, he's seeing opportunity in his own lens But Jesus sees something different because he spent time with the Father. What does he say? I love this verse, this is the key for me. He said, let's go to the next towns so I can preach there also. For this is the purpose I've come for. The translation is the purpose. In spending time with prayer, the Lord knew his purpose in life, his priorities. And Jesus said, my purpose is not Capernaum. My purpose is the cross. I'm not gonna settle down in Capernaum, even though there's a lot of good opportunities, and there's fame. He said, my purpose is not just to save people in Capernaum, but the entire world. And we need the same thing. You see, Jesus had established a habit. And that habit was spending time with his father. That habit was getting away. If you look at the phrase in verse 38, it says, I'm sorry, verse 35, it says, he departed and went out to a desolate place and prayed. Did you know that phrase is found over 12 times in the gospels? Over and over again, Jesus went away to pray with his father to get away. Why? To be recharged. Because what did he have to do? Here's the key. Prayer was an important habit in his life. He tuned out the noise of the world to hear the voice of the father. There's a lot of noise in our world, is there not? And there's a lot of voices. The enemy wants to speak through a voice as well. It's the voice of lies. Jesus said in John 10, he says, those who know me as the good shepherd hear my voice and follow me. But he says, the enemy is like a thief in the night who comes to destroy and seek and kill. You see, the enemy wants to give us different voices, but when we're in tune with the voice of God, we can have a clear picture of his clarity for our lives and priorities, what he wants to do. And so benefits, what are the benefits of prayer? We're gonna see in this passage, three benefits. There's many benefits. There's many blessings of prayer. But I've listed three. Here's the first one. It's this a renewed focus on God's purpose and priorities for our lives. Jesus says, For this purpose I have come forth. When we go to prayer, God gives us purpose. And what does purpose do? gives us passion. A renewed passion for our calling as Christians. You see, he knew his purpose was not to go back to Capernaum, he was go to the next towns to preach. You see, Jesus knew through prayer what to say yes to and what to say no to. And don't we need the same thing? Discernment for priorities. Amen. You see, when I go to God in prayer, he always allows me first to know my identity in Christ. So my significance is not what I do, but who I am. You see, God cares more about who you are than what you do. God cares more about who you're becoming than what you're doing. And in prayer, God reminds us of that. He gives us purpose. It reminds me that my purpose is being a godly husband and a father to my kids, not just a pastor. He convicts us. He renews us. He gives us a new focus. It's interesting, a couple months ago, my son, my oldest son, Isaiah, who's gonna be a senior next year, has some decisions to make. And he was kind of conflicted about these decisions. Had some anxiety and some, just wanted to know what, The Lord's will was for him. And so we sat down at the table, went through the pros and cons of this decision coming up. And I said, Isaiah, let's just pray about it. So he prayed about it, and I prayed about it. About a week later, I'm in a staff meeting here at church. And I get a call from him during the day, and I'm thinking, why is he calling during the day? Is something wrong? Because it was the middle of the day. So I walk out, answer the phone. I said, hey, buddy, what's going on? His first words were, Dad, God answered prayer. And he was excited. It's like, dad, God, answered prayer. This teacher called me in his office. And so this teacher called him to his office and offered this leadership position that he wasn't expecting. And for him, that brought clarity and focus on a purpose God had for him, a renewed focus on his priorities. And as a dad, my heart was blessed because here's the thing, students, junior high and high school students, God wants to give you a renewed purpose. He wants to reveal his identity for you He wants to make sure that you know the priorities in life that he wants to give you daily. So seek him in prayer as God makes sure he's renewing our purpose and priorities. What else? What else did Jesus find through this benefit? A peace. We all love peace. That's a huge benefit for prayer. A peace that guards our heart and mind from worries of the world. You see, Jesus dealt with anxiety. He dealt with stress. He dealt with pressure. He was pressured to go back to Capernaum because he was getting this fame. See, the Bible says that he dealt with everything that we deal with in life. The book of Hebrews says that as a high priest, he sympathizes with everything we go through, every temptation, yet he did not sin. And worry and stress are not sins. They're just burdens. But Jesus had a lot of stress. Think about three years of his life. People were trying to kill him. Family that disowned him. He had nowhere to lay his head, the Bible says. Nowhere to sleep. There was a lot of stress. How did he deal with that stress? He went to his father in prayer. And we go to our Lord in prayer. He exchanges that anxiety and stress that we have in our lives, replaces it with peace. See, the good news, Christian, is that the peace of God does not depend on your circumstances. Peace of God is is determined by what's going on in your life. It's because of what he gives us in his spirit, the Bible says. Here's a great verse. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything with prayer and petition, present your request to God. And what? The peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. Who wants more peace from the Lord? There's nothing greater than peace, is there not? And he says he will guard our heart and mind in Christ Jesus. He wants to exchange whatever's going on, whatever worry, whatever anxiety for his peace. You see, pray and let God do the worrying, right? Fears, too, are something that God wants to replace. I remember when I was a little kid, one of my biggest fears was to fly on an airplane. And so the first time we were flying, I was really nervous, about four or five years old. So we get on a plane. I'm at the window seat. My dad's in the middle. And he said, "Jerry, let's pray. Grab my hand and we prayed. And that brought some peace. And so then we take off. We go up into the sky. You know, we're ascending into the sky. And all of a sudden I look out the window and there's clouds everywhere. I'm thinking, we're going right into heaven, right? So I turned to my dad and I said, Dad, are we going to see Jesus today? And before he could respond, the guy next to him said, I certainly hope not. (laughs) See, he didn't want to see Jesus, right? I think he needed prayer. He wasn't ready to go to heaven. But God brought peace. And just having my dad in his presence there, him praying with me. Here's the, here's the good news, church. When God's presence is with you, there's peace. He's always there. And he wants to give you that peace. And here's the thing. On airplanes, you know, when turbulence happens, I think everyone prays, right? <laughs> turbulence happens, people are praying. And guess what? We're gonna go through turbulence in life, are we not? There's gonna be turbulent seasons, maybe relationship issues, maybe a diagnosis of the doctor, maybe a lost job. These are hard And God says through the turbulence, you come to me in prayer and I will guard your heart and mind with the peace of God. He will walk you through it. He'll make sure he's with you, his presence through those turbulent situations. And he'll tell you that regardless of the situation, your peace is not determined by your situation or circumstance. It's by Christ. What else? God gives us a purpose, renewed purpose. He gives us peace. Lastly, he gives us power. A power experience when we trust And depend on God. The Bible says he's given us every divine power in our lives. He didn't give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of what? Power, love, and a sound mind. And what does that power look like? It's the power to let go of a grudge. It's the power to root out bitterness with forgiveness. It's the power to to let go of an addiction. It's not willpower. It's relying on God's power and strength in your life. That's why I love when the Lord told the apostle Paul, he said, when you are weak, I am strong. You see, God wants us to tap into that power, but it takes dependence. Jesus was dependent on his father. It's so interesting in scripture. When you read through the gospels, constantly Jesus says, I do nothing without the father. He was always dependent also on the father, even though he was God, he was still human at the same time. And there was this amazing dependence that he taught us that allows prayer to make sense in our life. And we realize we can't do life without God. And God strengthens us through prayer. And that's where we get the capacity to love him and to love others. In Mark chapter one, we see the beginning of Jesus' ministry, praying privately with the Father. The end of his ministry, he does the same thing. He prays to the Father for strength. And you know the story, it's in the garden, the garden of Gethsemane. And this to me is the most powerful prayer in all the scriptures. Because this prayer is about giving God his will to be done, not our will be done. And so you know the story, Jesus is in the garden and he even tells the disciples, hey, watch and pray so you do not enter into temptation. And then he prays to the father and he says, father, if it is possible, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but what? Your will be done. God will always answer this prayer. Jesus was submitting to the will of the Father. And you could tell the anguish when he says, if it is possible, take this cup from me. That cup was not just him going on the cross and getting nailed to the cross. It wasn't just the physical anguish. It was the spiritual anguish, knowing that that cup was the cup of wrath. All the sin of mankind replaced on Jesus. And he knew that he would be separated from the Father for a season. That's why he prayed, Why have you forsaken me on the cross? And that was difficult for him, but he found his strength and his power through prayer with the Father saying, Lord, it's time. It kind of reminds me of that, you know, before you go out to the game or before that pep talk, it's like, let's do this. And after this prayer, Jesus was focused. And he said, my courage is gonna be from my Father as I walk this long road of Calvary. I love the quote that says this, prayer is not getting God prepared to do your will, Beginning you ready to do his will. God wants to accomplish things through you as we submit and say, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. Um, years ago, as we were portable in Springboro, we started eight years ago in Springboro at a little elementary school, and we would set up and tear down. And we did that for five years. Beaver Creek is portable as well at a school in Beaver Creek, a high school. And there were some good years, but they were tough too. And so after a course of so many years, after five years, we said, okay, we're going to pray about the Lord's will for the next step. And so we started praying about a permanent facility. And we started looking, we started asking, seeking, and knocking. And we couldn't find anything until there was this one property, great location, down on an intersection connecting communities. It was a great property. It was big enough for kids ministry and an auditorium. It had a parking lot, Enough spaces. In the clincher, it was right next to a Bob Evans, right? <laughs> we're like, we know this is the Lord's will, right? Gotta have some breakfast after church. And so we're, we're just praying about it. We say, you know what? This is gonna work. This is gonna be awesome. It had a permit that we could use. And so we go to the owner who's leasing it. And we say, we're interested, we're excited, the price was right. And we talk to their realtor. We're like, Lord, thank you, but nothing back. We inquire again, nothing back. And we keep on inquiring, keep on asking, seeking, knocking for months, nothing back. We're like, the place is still vacant. It's still open. Why aren't they renting this to us? Maybe it's because we're a church. Maybe the owner doesn't want to rent to a church. We don't know. After about five months, I remember it was a Sunday, Pastor David asked the entire church, this is three years ago, to pray over this. Because we're like, well, we're going to seek the Lord's will. If it's his will, if it's not, but we need to pray. And so everyone prayed. Then a couple days later, as a little staff, about five of us from Springboro, said, okay, we're gonna pray as well, but we're gonna do a prayer walk. So we walked around the building and prayed. We pulled a a Joshua and Jericho, right? And in that story, he walks around seven days on the seventh day, seven times. And as they pray and worship, what happens to the walls of Jericho? They come down. We didn't do seven times, but we did one. And we knew God's gonna move. If he doesn't, it's not his will. And so we waited. Three days later, I'll never forget it. Monday morning, we're in a staff meeting here. One of our pastors, Ryan on staff, who's connecting with the realtor, gets an email. And the email is from the owner of the property. And he says, are you still interested in the property? We said, thank you, Jesus, right? We were interested. And that's the property we have today for three years. See, God has used that property. Many people have come to know Christ. Many people are growing in the Lord. But it wasn't our will, it was his will. And we didn't know if he was going to answer the prayer. See, God answers prayer three ways. Sometimes it's yes, right away. Sometimes it's wait. As Isaiah says, for those who wait on the Lord, He want to renew their strength. Sometimes it's no, it's not my will, but my grace is sufficient. Those are the hardest, are they not? But when Paul prayed to be healed of his ailment, of his thorn in the flesh, what did God tell him? My grace is sufficient. God honors those prayers. So here's the question. If we have all these benefits, why don't we take advantage of them? Why don't we pray? Three areas or three reasons why we don't pray. First one, we don't think it's important. We don't value prayer. Maybe we just discount it and say, you know what? I've got better things to do. What else? We don't believe it makes a difference. You see, I'll I'll admit, I'll be transparent. Prayer is my hardest spiritual discipline. My hardest practice I love getting into God's word. I love reading his word. I love serving. I love going out in the community and and sharing the gospel. I love small groups and community. Next week, we're talking about community. I love community. But prayer can be a challenge for me because I like to accomplish things. And sometimes I feel like when I go into prayer, I'm like, Lord, am I accomplishing something? And then I go into prayer. and He reminds me of how much he's accomplishing in my heart. You see, it's important with prayer that we can spend five minutes of prayer and God can accomplish more in five minutes of prayer than five hours in our own strength. God does a work, he makes a difference. And he's shown me that when I kneel before him, he's doing a work first in my heart, through me first, and then to someone else. Lastly, this to me is the most important. Oh, can we go back real quick? This to me is probably the most prevalent for all of us. It's this, we don't think we have time. We're too busy busyness. That's the one thing that keeps us away from prayer. I love what Corey Tim, Tim Boom said. She said, if the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy, right? And that's the truth. And busyness can keep us away from prayer. But here's the thing. The enemy doesn't want us to pray. Because when we pray, we come to the heavens. We pray boldly, and God does some amazing things. I recently read a book. I love this book. It's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. I know in the men's ministry, some people have done this already. They've read it. We're doing it this week at our campus, but it's a great book. And it talks about this idea of being too hurried in life. And here's how he describes hurry sickness. The author, he says, it's a behavior pattern characterized by continual rushing and anxiousness, an overwhelming sense of urgency where a person feels chronically short of time. Can anyone relate? Three symptoms He lists. Here's three symptoms. See if this relates to you. Here's the first symptom. You move from one checkout line to another because it's shorter, right? You're at Kroger, you go to the other line. Second symptom when you come to a stoplight and count the cars in front of you and you change lanes, guilty as charged. Finally, you multitask to the point you forget one of the tasks. You see, we all have hurry sickness at some point, that's our culture. We're on the run. We're so busy. If you, if you see someone for the first time in a while and ask them how they're doing, what do they say? I'm doing great. I'm just, what? Busy. There's always the just busy. And we have to slow down so we can hear the voice of God. And here's what John Mark Comer says about this. I love this quote. The noise of the modern world makes us deaf to the voice of God, drowning out the one we need the most. We need to hear the voice of God. We need to hear what he's teaching us, his purpose, his peace in our lives, and the power. So what do we learn? Here's the big idea. It's this. Jesus teaches us a valuable lesson. The busier we get in life, the more time we need with God. The busier Jesus got in life, the more time he spent with his father. But we can do the opposite. We get busy, and God puts on the shelf. We get more hurried, God gets less time. God wants to make sure that he's there for us to build us up. I love what Paul Miller says in his book, A Praying Life, a great book. He says, learning to pray doesn't offer us a less busy life, it offers us a less busy heart. So what do we do? What are some practical steps that you can start or continue meeting with God in prayer? Four steps, it's this, schedule a time to meet with God. Schedule a time, Jesus had a time, put it on your calendar, Maybe it's first thing in the morning. That's my best time to meet with God, to spend time with Him, so I can start my day off with a good attitude and I can be filled up by him. Maybe it's in the evening. Maybe it's in, at lunch. Schedule a time to meet with God in a place where that way he can speak to you. What else? Start small. Consistency is more important than length. Being consistent is more important than length. Start with five minutes. What if you committed to five minutes for five days of prayer? It's not about the length. You're like, well, five minutes is, is nothing. Start with five minutes. Because as you go into five minutes and you enjoy that time with the Lord, it'll go to 10 minutes, then 15. But consistency is more important. And, and here's the news. You're going to have some times in prayer where it feels mundane. It almost feels like, Lord, what's going on? I, I need that burning bush moment, right? Consistency is important. You're going to hear from God as you allow him to have time with you. What else? Pray with scripture. I love starting with scripture because prayer is our response back to what God's already told us through scripture. Season your prayer life with scripture. And finally, the most important, open your heart to God. Just open your heart. It's important that you allow God to hear your struggles, to to see what's going on in your heart, to open up, confess your sin. I love what David prayed in Psalm 139. He said, search me, O God, and know my heart and know my anxieties. He wants to know what's going on, the struggles you're going through. You know, last year we had a father-son retreat and it was a blessing to take my son, my middle son on this retreat. And there's a lot of dads from Fairhaven and Sons. And we had a blast. We, we uh, played dodgeball, went canoeing on the Miami River. We ziplined, just so much fun. My favorite part of the entire retreat of the four hours we were there was 20 minutes where I just spent one-on-one time with my son. And we just talked and we prayed together. And I got to hear his heart and his struggles and and to connect with him as my son. You see, God wants the same thing from us. He just wants to connect with us, to help us, to build us up as our heavenly father. Where can you appoint a time to say, Lord, even if I'm getting busy, I'm gonna spend time with you. You see, usually for us, that doesn't happen but we can make it happen. Because when you meet with God, he will touch your soul as he wants to be part of your life. Lastly, I wanna close by speaking of someone who was a great man of prayer, a godly man who made an impact on our country and our world, one of my heroes, and we're gonna honor him tomorrow, Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. And he was a man of serious prayer. And he, he took what Jesus said seriously when Jesus said, pray for those who persecute you. He did that. Pray and love your enemies. He did that. He made sure that God was using him privately in prayer so then publicly he could make an impact as God used him for an amazing purpose. And it's been said that the civil rights movement was more of a prayer movement than a political movement because God was in it. And I wanna read you this last prayer by Dr. King. He says this, Use me, God. Show me how to take who I am, who I wanna be, and what I can do And use it for a purpose greater than myself. You see, Dr. King knew the value and the priority of spending time with God. And God wants the same thing for us, to use a purpose in our life greater than ourselves. But we can't do it in our own strength. We need his power in our life. We need his peace. And we need to be renewed of the focus of the purpose God has for you and your life because he's got a plan, church. And he wants to do that all of our lives. Would you pray with me? <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we thank you that God, you show us mercy. Your mercies are new every morning. And we thank you that when we come to you in prayer, you're a good father. You wanna hear our struggles. You wanna hear what's going on in our heart. And maybe there's something right now that you're struggling with. Maybe it's a temptation. Maybe it's a grudge or bitterness towards someone. Maybe it's just, Anxiety or stress, just give that to Him. Exchange the fears and anxieties and sin, put it on the cross. In exchange, He'll give you His peace, He'll give you His grace, so that we can walk and live and serve in the overflow of your Spirit, Lord, the overflow of your strength, not ours. Lord, we give you the glory and praise. We thank you that you show us an example of prayer. And not just an example, Lord, but we come to you in prayer as our Lord and our Savior. And so, Jesus, thank you that whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And that as we pray, Lord, you give us new purpose and give us power and bless our families, we pray. In Jesus' name, the church said.